Good morning, Skillman Church of Christ. Welcome to this Sunday morning's online service. As always, it is a joy to meet with you and to sing with you and take communion with you virtually. And if you can, please let us know that you're out there through the chat function. Say who you are, your name, how you've been. It'd be great to, uh, to hear from you. And even though on Sundays like this, we are not together physically, I am so very grateful for the technology that allows us to still meet virtually. But next week, next week we will be offering another in-person service at the church building at 10.30 in the morning. And the plan is to keep this rotation of switching from virtual to in-person services each week until after the holidays. But if you can, uh, please stay in touch by checking our Facebook page or through our weekly emails because we may be moving our in-person services to inside the, the main auditorium even as early as this next Sunday depending on the weather. And of course, if this takes place, it will be done with all of the necessary safety protocols to ensure safe physical distancing. Uh, but but uh, if you can, stay in touch and keep in the loop. And uh, just a reminder that whether we are meeting inside or outside, just like every week, we will be offering an online option for those at home. And I promise you all the production quality for our live services will just keep getting better and better. But today, today we conclude our sermon series on the characteristics of love found in 1 Corinthians 13. And it's always, it's always dangerous to preach on the topic of love. Because this word, it's, it's woven into the fabric of society in so many distinct and unique ways that sermons on love can risk becoming trite or they can feel shallow or just be feel-good messages that barely skim the surface of the challenges and struggles of what it means to be human. But the love that we have been talking about these past several weeks that's found in 1 Corinthians 13 is an agape love. It's the highest expression of love that originates from a heart that has been supernaturally changed rather than a heart that is just morally constrained. This, this kind of love, this isn't a feeling. It's a verb. This kind of love is practiced and it's lived out in our lives through steadfast patience, through radical kindness, through authentic and true humility, through incomprehensible forgiveness, through a profoundly deep respect for the humanity of everyone, even those whose thoughts and beliefs may offend us. And through our relentless perseverance towards what is good and true and right and just and holy, this kind of love wills good for the other as the other, with utter joy and without any strings attached. And here, here at Skillman, we have spent these last few months focusing on this kind of love and this season has been a season where we have set our gaze towards as a community being known by our love. And this topic, this topic is so important that I would argue that we would need to do this every year. And each year when we speak about this, we need to dedicate considerable amounts of time and energy and resources on understanding it better. And each time we need to bring more insights and new illustrations to the conversation so that we are more grounded in our understanding of love. Because we are to be people of love. 
We're to be known by our love. And in Scripture, love, it's not a supporting actor. Love, this concept, it's, it's littered all over the pages. If, if you were to do a word search on how many times the word love is used, it's found over 700 times. In fact, if you have your Bibles today, let's get it out and let's look at some of these verses that speak of this kind of love. If you turn to Matthew 22, starting in verse 36, when a teacher of the law asks Jesus what the greatest commandment is, Jesus replies, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Now, if you could turn to the book of 1 Peter. At the very end of this book, the apostle Peter writes in verse 8 of chapter 4, Above all, listen to that, above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Now let's turn over to Colossians. And Paul in Colossians uses the same language in chapter 3, starting in verse 12. Paul writes, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Sounds familiar. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, over all of these virtues, put on love, which binds them all in perfect unity. So let's turn over to 1 Corinthians, to chapter 13. We've been in this chapter quite a bit in this season. But in the very final part of chapter 13, Paul writes in verse 13, And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. And finally, if you turn a couple pages to to the right, in chapter 16 of 1 Corinthians, Paul says this, Do everything in love do everything in love i mean as you can see love is monumental love is the bread and butter it's the foundation it's the cornerstone of what it means to be christian but here is the thing if we're honest and we'd all admit that this kind of love it isn't easy I mean, to love our enemy, to go beyond tolerance, to not solely seek one's self-interest, to seek truth in a loving way, this is not easy stuff. But it's important. And why is it so important within the Christian faith? Even though it is difficult, why should we pursue it? Why is love the cornerstone of Jesus' teachings? Why is it littered all over the pages of Scripture? What is it about love that has the potential to change the world? And my friends, why must we keep talking about it, seeking it, and pursuing it? Well, for one, hate for hate only intensifies the existence of hate and evil in the universe. I'm going to say it again. Hate for hate only intensifies the existence of hate and evil in the universe. And love, this love that's found in Scripture, this agape love, this love is the antibody for hate. Because here, here's how it works sometimes. If you hit me, well, then I'm going to hit you back. 
well then you're going to hit me back harder. Well then I'm going to hit you back harder. And what it does, it starts this vicious cycle that only escalates in intensity and can only stop if someone chooses to end the cycle. A good example of this, of course, is driving in rush hour traffic because as we all know, things can escalate very quickly. I mean, if someone cuts you off or someone doesn't let you in when you're trying to change lanes, it's so easy to get angry. And then we cut that person off a hep ahead or we cut another person off and then they get angry. And what happens is it begins this, this ripple effect of anger and frustration that's penetrating through the entire highway. A, uh, I, had an, I had an experience a couple of weeks ago. I was in the car with Tara and we were on this four lane highway, two lanes this way, two lanes that way. And up ahead was this truck that had pulled over to the side. And I, I saw the truck, I noticed it. The truck had done a, a great job of placing signals to know, to let us know that it was there because there wasn't a very wide shoulder to the road. The problem for me was that as I was about to change lanes to give space to the truck driver so that there was a lane between us, which is of course common etiquette, there was another car in the left lane beside me that was going just a little bit faster and I couldn't change lanes. So as I approached this truck, I wasn't able to change lanes to give that adequate space. And when the truck driver saw me, oh man, I could tell he was super frustrated that I didn't change lanes and give him that, that extra space. And he gave me a really mean look. And then he gestured something rude in my direction that involves a, a certain finger of one's hand. I mean, you, you could probably imagine the scene because most of us have been there in an unexpected exchange on the road like this. And when it happened, I, I automatically felt this pit in my stomach and I looked at Tara and I said, wow, do, do you feel that? Because you know, all of a sudden I felt uneasy and, and there was this negative energy in the car. I mean, I had never met this guy. We only locked eyes for a split second. I'll never cross paths with him ever again. But our interaction within this half a second, it changed, it changed us. And it left me a little bit bitter and a little bit angry. And my natural reaction was, well, man, he shouldn't have done that. Or couldn't he see that I, I couldn't change lanes? Or, or I find myself wanting to be mad at the other car for not letting me change lanes and for causing this negative interaction. But this is where the magic of agape love, of the love that scripture speaks about steps in. You see, as Dr. King, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. says, darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. You see, if I were to speed up and get mad at the car that unknowingly didn't let me in, or if I were to take the pain I felt on another person, it would only be continuing the cycle. I mean, who knows? Maybe that driver had a bad experience that day and was taking out his frustrations on me. The magic of love is the chain of hate and darkness can end with a single act of love. Someone must have the sense to cut off that chain of hate and evil in the universe. And as Christians, we can be the breakers of chains, of the chains of hate and violence. Because we are people of love, it can stop with us. And instead of spreading more and more darkness and more and more hate into the world, we can instead extend love and kindness and forgiveness 
which will then start a different type of chain. Hate for hate only intensifies the existence of hate and evil in the universe. But love, love is the antibody that can break the chain. Secondly, of, of why love is so important is that love leads to life and that non-loving leads to inner spiritual cancer within the life of the individual or community. Put another way, love leads to life and liberation, but non-love leads to life. I mean, if we were to look at 1 Corinthians 13 and think about what the opposite would be, the non-loving attributes of non-love, here's how it would read, because non-love would be impatient. Non-love is animosity. It envies. It boasts. It is full of toxic pride. It dishonors others. It seeks self-gain. It is easily angered. It keeps a record of every wrong against them. Love, non-love, delights in evil, but rejects the truth. It always abandons, always distrusts, is, is always hopeless, and quits easily. <laughs> I mean, you can see where I'm going with this. If this were a person, I would not want to be around them. And if this were me, it would manifest itself as a deep inner spiritual cancer that would be torture and lead to misery. I mean, it sounds literally like hell. I was having coffee with one of our brothers, Seth Smith, the other day, and we were talking about this very issue. And he mentioned that there was a time in his life when someone hurt him it, it, really bad. It, it harbored a deep resentment really within him towards that person. And at the time, the pain and resentment was so deep for him that he said, he would wake up thinking about it. He would go to bed thinking about it. It impacted his mood and affected other relationships. And in a lot of ways, he said it was a sort of prison he was living in. And it wasn't until he forgave this person and moved into a place where he was keeping no record of wrongs did he truly find freedom. You see, non-love leads to an inner spiritual cancer. But love, agape love, leads to life freedom and liberation finally on why love is so important and why we need to keep talking about it and why it's all over scripture is because love has redemptive power love has redemptive power it's amazing what the power of love can do to change someone's life there's a story told in dr martin luther king jr's sermon about abraham lincoln and a political rival named edwin stanton you see, prior to Lincoln's presidency, Stanton was a political rival who spoke ill things about our 16th president, even insulting his intelligence, his looks, and appearance. At, at one point, Stanton called Lincoln the original gorilla. But when Lincoln won the election, he chose Edwin Stanton to be his secretary of war. And many of Lincoln's advisors said, what are you doing? Are you sure about this? Did, did you hear what this man said about you? Aren't you angry? But Lincoln said that he would appoint Stanton despite all these things because Stanton was the best man for the job. You see, this love had redemptive power because upon Lincoln's assassination, Stanton was the one who was by his bed when he died. And he said the now famous quote as Lincoln passed away, now he belongs to the ages. As seen in the life of Stanton, a, a, a radically transformed heart that lives the characteristics found in 1 Corinthians 13 of patience and kindness and forgiveness and integrity towards another can have a powerful redemptive effect on the recipient. 
Another story is from our brother Marvin Yeager. You guys, you guys know him. He, he was one that read uh, the scripture earlier, did a fantastic job. And he tells the story of a time when he was wrongly arrested. And the bail was so high that he had to spend a considerable amount of time in jail waiting for his trial. But he recalls at that time the people of this church, Skillman, visiting him in prison every single day to sit and pray with him and sending him letters. And he said that experiencing this type of love, it literally changed his life and inspired him to pursue a deeper relationship with God. At its very core, the love that Jesus talks about has the power of redemption and can change lives for the better. So the million dollar question is, how do we do it? How can we grow in our love for God and others? How can we be known by our love? And we can draw from the scriptures read by Jack Rauscher and Marvin Yeager in 1 John 4, starting in verse 16. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God, in God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. We love because God first loved us. Do we understand this? There, there's so many of us that feel unlovable or are not enough. And I want you to hear me when I say this. So please look into the screen. God loves you. God loves all of you. You are intrinsically loved. God is love. And if this is true, then that means that God has been patient and kind with us. God holds no record of wrongs. God is not easily angered. God always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. Now here's the question. What are we going to do with this understanding? We can't just stop with understanding this, that God loves us. This must propel us into a love of our neighbor in radical ways. And we can't do it on our own. In fact, it's God's love within us that's flowing through us and allowing us to love others. So may this love within us stop the cycle of hate and darkness. May this love lead to life. May this love have redemptive power in us. And may we as Christians be known by our love. As we close out our worship service today, and as we go about our lives, may we keep love at the center. May we view love as a verb. May we will the good of the other just as they are. And may through it all, may we give God the glory, honor, and praise. Go in peace today.